Marvelous Mrs. Maisel recently concluded its fourth season on Amazon Prime, and HBO Max has responded by releasing its own period comedy addressing the roots of modern feminism with Minx. Both shows center around women trying to make strides in fields dominated by men. In Mrs. Maisel, it starts with stand-up. In Minx, it's a mixture of journalism and pornography. There's a lot of nudity, probably on the levels of Masters of Sex. It stars Ophelia Lovabond, Jake Johnson, Jessica Lowe, Lennon Parham, and Idara Victor. Episodes 3 and 4 just came out. We're here to talk about them. Welcome to today's episode. It isn't like winning time, right? Like, it's, it's not one of those things where it's filmed with, like, 1970s camera or anything like that. There's a filter. So it is. So it's supposed to be, like, the 70s? It's not, no, it's not like, um, winning time. It's not as, uh, what's the word? Saturated. But it's still, but it's supposed to be filmed like it's in the 70s, not the modern era. It takes place in 1971. And the style, the clothes, the cars... The, just the colors of that era are definitely in the show. Right, the clothes are supposed to be vintage. But yeah, it, great. I mean, these shows always do that. I, I'm less impressed by the. At this point in 2022, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like, every show can do that. They have the budget. They have the ability. They Probably the same exact uh, cinematographers or, or people who come in there and, like, fix this stuff up. Like, it's less... It's not impressive anymore. Okay, but, like, overall... How much nudity would you say is in the show? Because I know it's that you said there's a question lot. to start it, off it, with. It's a weird question, but that's because every single interview, every single article I've read about it has always talked about how there's just so much of it. In fact, even Taylor Zakar Perez, who is from the Kissing Booth 2 and 3, posted a like promotional photo for it with his shirt off on Instagram saying make sure to tune into the next two episodes. And then he got it taken down because it went against community guidelines on Instagram. Hmm. So, I mean, that's like a main selling point, it feels like, of the show. That there's a lot of dicks. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of dicks. It's uh, It's got comedy. Anyone watching it is going to find something to gravitate towards. But, like, this probably target audience is women or gay men, if, <laughs> if that makes sense. If you've seen, like, would someone who's seen Euphoria enjoy this show more? Because that also has... This yeah. is a weird set of questions. Well, I, it's, it's Let me just talk about right? the episodes, okay, all right? So ahead. we have two episodes here. One is called Norman Mailer, Samantha Shortcake. That's episode three. This episode four is called An Exciting New Chapter in the Annals of Erotica. And both episodes feel very similar. I saw all four episodes because I wasn't sure if we were, if, if we were going to do the podcast on all uh, up until now or just the last you two. You saw it like back to back to back? Like, yeah. I mean, they're only 35 minutes long, so it wasn't too bad. But the last two, so those two that we're doing, are almost identical in the format that they go with. So you have Joyce and Doug. Joyce is the main, main character. Right. She is... Um, Sort of a proper prim, like she wants to make strides for women in feminism. She wants to push the progressive agenda, but she's not so much about the sex aspect of it. I read that she's supposed to be like a fish out of water character in the porn world and kind of in the feminist world as well that she lives in. Well, she's pretty acclimated into the feminist world. Like she's been writing about feminism for like her entire career. She just wanted to make her own magazine. And that's where Doug came in. Doug is this like director of he owns bottom dollar which produces i guess a bunch of pornography and other pornography magazines right yeah and that's how you say it is jake johnson yeah and so he hires her because he's the only one willing to do so to publish her magazine because some he finds it like he can kind of tell he has like a second sense and he's like okay well this could actually lead somewhere so he hires her but he wants her to add more porn to it 
specifically a bunch of dicks. And that's and that's supposed to kind of be parallel to the playgirl aspect that happened in the 70s, where yeah. Ellen Rappaport, the person who created this show, said that like she didn't actually know that Playgirl was supposed to be somewhat of a feminist magazine when it came out. It's Playgirl. It's not Playboy. I mean, that's it's yeah, so, but it's pretty she, obvious. Yeah, but she just thought it was supposed to be kind of like a sister or porn magazine to Playboy. Hmm. Okay, so anyways, that was basically the synopsis you get from the first two episodes. But then once they're actually in the midst of publishing, like they're about to produce the first articles for it and everything, that's when we enter episode three and episode four. And that's where things become, they like slow down. They oh, okay. The first two the episodes, it felt like we were heading somewhere at a pretty constant pace. These two, it was like, introduce an issue with both characters, split them up, and have them tackle that issue. And by the end of the episode, Doug doesn't actually fix his issue. He usually accepts it by the end. Joyce actually has to, like, tackle her thing. Let's just jump in. So in the third episode, there's a raid on the place because in the 70s it was still kind of contentious you have two sets of feminisms one is one is that's like pushing for women to like really work that break that glass ceiling go up right but also stay like above it all yeah like, and ellen Rappaport has like commented on the fact that it's supposed to have those so two we kind meet, of opposing situations. yeah we meet bridget westbury who is that type of feminist who really doesn't like the idea of smut or porn in her neighborhood she's been elected as a politician to that area and so she's doing a crackdown on it and going after every porn industry at first they think it's a shakedown because they're like oh new politician they just want us to grease some uh, palms and stuff so it's this is the 19th raid they've had they're treating it like completely normal they're like okay just give them our stuff we'll get it back tomorrow they pull some crap like oh it's either because of um harboring a felon like they make it up they don't know most of these bylaws are like old or they don't really affect them that much like ventilation expired darkroom materials access to egress that's the thing that they hook them on. Um, sometimes the only one that it made sense why they should probably raid these places is like underage models. When they yeah, said that right. one, I was like, okay, well, that actually makes sense. It reminds me a little bit of sex education where the new person that they brought in to run the uh, the clinic or I guess the counselor was kind of like evil and she was very much against like any talk about sex at all. Yeah. Kind of same place here. Yeah. Yeah. Strict. Um, so Doug goes to the state council or wherever to talk to her and uh finds out that she is stuck up she won't accept any of his like gifts or bribes won't accept any money won't really let him have it basically just tells him to get out of town right it's like we just don't want your kind here and so he spends the episode trying to figure out what to do whether to blackmail her whether to be petty um whether to try to go around her which doesn't work or in the end they actually get dirt on her but then they don't use it and that's what I mean by he just sort of accepts the fact that mm-hmm. they've been raided and then just they move on. They don't really explain how they get their stuff back. But by the next episode, they're still running. So do you think that he's like keeping that dirt for a, like a later on? No. Type issue? So his secretary, um, she's played by Adara Victor. She is supposed to be smarter. She's that character that kind of is in the ether. Like she's played by an African-American woman. And I think what they're trying to do is be like, hey, in a, in a modern context she wouldn't be a secretary like she'd be smart enough to run her own company she doesn't normally fall into the dirty work in fact she's like the moral center for doug so when she does make a call to get the dirt doug's like i can't have you doing this like destroy this for me and just stay the person that you are okay that type of thing so yeah he's got like a heart of gold um but then the other side of the uh episode is joyce's issue so joyce because of this raid 
they only have the things to produce her magazine. So they have to bump that up a full month. And then she has to rush and get her um, because she was able to save her um, mimeographs, which are basically just small printouts of the magazine. And also she has the film. Someone had saved the article film for the magazine. But then the women who had written these articles for her and wanted to put it out in the world, they heard about the raid and they're like, well, this isn't a good establishment to really represent our ideals. So they all pull out and she has to write her own articles in their place. And then that becomes a whole issue because she wants to be very highbrow so then she has a bunch of people try to help her out to make it like stupider in a way but then she kind of dismiss it yeah exactly but then she dismisses all those uh, ideas and she's like fuck that i'm doing it my own way and then she realizes that way sucks and so she ends up taking the help and then they sort of meld it into what ends up being i assume a good article and that's basically that episode the next episode the problem is that now Doug finds out that he is missing $50,000 off the book. Again, the secretary is the one that figures that out. She's like, your accountant sucks. He's, he, I've looked at the numbers. They're bad. And uh, so they bring in the accountant. They just see that he is really bad at his job. He's not actually the one taking it off the books. Yeah. And so he's not going to fire that guy. But then they ask everybody to explain uh, where that money might have gone. And everybody just like admits to taking small things. But that's it. And then by the end, he admits that he took it, but that he did it so that he could push the magazine forward. And uh, and that was about the end of the episode. So, so he a- just accepts that he did something that we that he knew that he did. But it was supposed to be like he, that, that was supposed to show that he was doing it for the purpose of making the magazine. Yeah, like Joyce's magazine because he has so much faith in it. And then Joyce's issue on that one is that she has made the magazine. They're about to produce it. They're about to put it out for the first like press release. Right. Mm hmm. And then she sleeps with the main cover guy, which I think was the one from um, the one that you were just the talking Kissing about Birds right now. Too, and probably, probably that guy. Um, so she forms a relationship with him, but she just wanted it to be a one night stand. In fact, she was really proud of herself. She was like, this is invigorating. This is something I've never done before. I'm so happy. And then he wants to make it something more. He, he wants feelings. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> he brought his parents to the disclosure oh. of the magazine <laughs> that he is nude in. <laughs> and then he wants them and they're very supportive they're extremely supportive parents but he wants her to meet the parents afterwards and that's sure she's like i this is never supposed to be this big of a deal and then he didn't he doesn't want to come out with the article anymore and then she has to like convince because him. of that yes because he he was in love with her or thought he was and so he she goes and talks to him at the fire department because he's a firefighter and then he's basically uh like okay that's that's fine and then they put out the article and that's the end of it so, okay. so both of them, what they did they was they split end. up Doug and Joyce. Yeah. And the Doug and Joyce from the first two episodes, their conflicting personalities is what sort of made the show good. Specifically, it reminded me of New Girl because that Zoe Deschanel, Jake Johnson, um, constant, you Bigger know, like in. he was the immature one. She was the prude, headstrong one. That was the same dynamic. Almost like I'm sure that went into the casting of Jake Johnson. Here. Well, yeah, is Jake Johnson just playing Jake Johnson? A little bit. Like, there's definitely about 50, 60% of him, which is just like, okay, this guy's playing his sarcastic self. Yeah, the reason why they got Jake Johnson is Ellen Rappaport. Like, she made in and she was like, oh, Jake Johnson would be a great uh, pick for this role in Stumptown, the show that he was a main character in, like, got canceled. So, like, right after he got canceled, they immediately went to him and he accepted it right off the bat. As far as Joyce... He's going to be in that other, um, the Roar 
show in that one episode because he was in the uh, trailer for that. Yeah, but so the, he's doing a lot. Yeah, he was also in the Spider-Man Spider Verse, and I assume he'll be in the next. Then the one. next one, yeah, the next two actually, because again, it's going to be a part one and part two. With, okay. With, well, you compared it to Winning Time earlier, right. and there was one moment where I was like, "This is exactly like Winning Time." You had talked about the newspaper articles talking to the main character yeah the picture in it while they're searching for ad space and i think that's the second episode they go around to all these like really shady places that would give them money to produce or basically publicize their content and all these like really provocative ads were talking to her while she was trying to pitch their magazine like surreal yeah like she didn't want them they were like (laughs) oh were they like were they like yelling at her like no provocative like sexual like she was like oh gross not in my magazine and one was like someone eating edible panties or something oh god yeah all right but it it was funny um and then that so that was like winning time pam and tommy because of the amount of dicks (laughs) and the passive (laughs) sex like there's just uh, Dara Victor said the one thing that drew her to it was she read like a penis montage in one of the episodes and she was like yeah okay like that was like something that stood out to her in the scripts well it doesn't stand out episode to episode because it's in almost every episode <laughs> yeah the only thing I'll say that it's like um, it was in your face but it wasn't as uncomfortable as I make it out to or as it might sound because usually when Hollywood makes a scene with nudity, they're really amping it up, you know? Like, they right, add they the do music. It, so, yeah. And so it's almost uncomfortable when you would see something that you're not used to seeing on X. the screen. But in this, it was in a completely, like, comedy-driven, uh, like, motive. So it didn't feel like I was watching nudity okay. in the same way. So it wasn't... It was still uncomfortable, but it wasn't, like, super uncomfortable for me. I should mention yeah. that, like, Minx isn't actually... This is... I mean, it's not an actual thing. This isn't like an actual company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I knew that. And we're, it's a comedy, so it's a lot easier to digest, like I was just saying. Right. And then after that, we always talk about, or we kind of like, I've complained about the, all these shows that are doing like dramatizations of real life companies and how that can get really annoying because you don't know what's true, what's false. Right. We or, crashed was just something that we did recently. And not it, just we crashed super. Oh Pump, yeah. No, uh, a ton of them. The yeah. Thanos, Theranos one. They're just so many of them. I really like the parallel history ones where they it, it, um, incorporate real companies, but they are doing it with a fictional company that they can really have the freedom to do whatever right. they want with. It was supposed to be an amalgamation of all the companies back in the 70s. Yeah. I don't even think it's based on, like, actual people in the 70s of that, or, like, anyone in particular. I know that Ellen Rappaport said that she went on to eBay because she wanted to make this just by reading articles about the 70s and the whole entire porn aspect of it. She went on to eBay and she, like, bought a ton of 1970s porn also, she said. <laughs> <laughs> they um, also have Johnny Carson show up having an um, interview with Burt Reynolds because because he does like a centerfold right. and they were trying to beat that centerfold out for the first, I think it was in Vogue. Yeah. Um, it was in one of the magazines, but with Jake Gyllenhaal's or sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Johnson's idea was that he wanted to put out that magazine before anybody beat him to it. And then it was only once that magazine came out that, uh, Joyce actually jumped on board with did, it. Did the show make it seem like a ton of people had had this idea, or was it just Jake Johnson wanted to put it out he as soon as possible? He kept saying to her, he was like, if we don't get this out now, and she's like, give it a few weeks, and or give it some time so I can develop it. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. In this industry, we have to do things fast, otherwise someone's just going to come in and snipe it. Like, this idea doesn't just stay around forever without people uh, getting wise to it. So the other plot device they uh, do, which every show has done, is they keep the ex-boyfriend around. She dumps her boyfriend in the first episode, 
And yet he continues in the cast. We see him every once in a while. His name's Glenn. And they do the same thing in Mrs. Maisel where it works out. And then in Orange is the New Black, it doesn't. But they always keep that ex-boyfriend around in the cast for the first season. I don't understand why unless they're going to hook them up later on. Well, they might. I mean, you know. I mean, with Mrs. Maisel, they sort of do. But again, Orange is the New Black, it was like after they realized they didn't need him, they kind of cut the guy from American Pie. Do, he wasn't in that. They do, they do kind of leave, like, unexpectedly, like around season two or something like it's that. It's like the writers aren't sure. Like, we'll just keep it around just if we, in case we need it. Sex in the City also had a very similar episode to this. I've only seen, I think, less than a season of that show. But I do remember the main character has a one-night stand uh, and then that person gets rid. It was like supposed to be a, a role reversal where the woman right. isn't the one who's like pining away for the guy. So, so that's kind of like in this where the guy gets really hung up on her, even though she well, just wanted a one night stand. He's just supposed to be a dumb character, right? One thing I found funny about him is that he seemed the most excited for this show. He said that aside from the kissing booth, this is probably the best set that he's been on. And also, he said that he has to always like do a check mark on a box because he does a lot of roles where they're like, "Are you comfortable with taking your shirt off?" Yeah, they do that in the show, though. They, they're they like, hey, if you're going to take this job, you need to know that you're going to take your stuff off. And, yeah, Jessica Lowe. So that was actually him nude, though. They didn't do a stunt double. No, 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 no. Well, Sebastian Stan, you know, you said that yeah, his, right. they did a stunt double. Well, Jessica time. Lowe, she plays Bambi. You mentioned her earlier. Do you know where you've seen her from before? She looked really familiar. She's from the Righteous Gemstones episodes. We did Eric Andre's wife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Joyce, she... She's kind of a main character in this. She's kind of the dumb blonde. The, kind of the same sort of intelligence as the guy you were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ophelia Lovabond, she plays Joyce. I know that the network, because they pitched just to a lot of different streaming she services. She looked really familiar. She looks like that Rachel uh, girl. I don't know what her last I'm name is. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know I where she's where I, I would have seen research, her from. I didn't do research of where she's from, but I know that Ellen Rappaport said that like the network was like, because she's going to be the main character of the show, you need to find someone else that she can like screen test against. And then Ellen Rappaport looked for months as a, someone who could like maybe possibly go against her and then finally she just went to the network and was like look there's no one else that i think could play her and also it was before the pandemic when they even casted her mm. so it, they felt like the pandemic gave them more time to make this show it feels like a writing issue with the whole she learns the same lesson every single time it's like i'm too good for this i'm too good for this and then suddenly she she sees things are or or she's like this is easy all we have to do is push the feminist message here and then she realizes it's actually a little bit more complicated than that for instance with this one night stand she'd always thought oh men are just trash because they treat people with such disrespect or companies are trash because they if you signed a contract then they'll abide by that contract even if the person wants out but then she finds herself in that managerial uh, head leadership position and realizes it's not so easy however in the first episode or the second episode there's a scene where she does confront sort of the leader rich person and then like punches him in the face so you she, you get both of it but in the last two episodes it did feel like she just constantly learns the same lesson over and over so that's just another complaint that i have overall though the show i would give an eight you have to be comfortable with nudity to watch it like you pointed out um but overall, it seems like it's an it's an okay show. I, I can see it probably lasting for a couple seasons. No more than a two, though. Really? Because she said that she wants to, like, make this... Uh, she would be fine going multiple seasons. And she really three. she really wants to take it into the 80s when the Reagan era hit. Because she oh. feels like there would be so much different stuff that they would be able to dive they into. They would have to make it different, though. 
then. If I they're mean, going to really extend, if they have a long-term plan for this show, I haven't seen it. I wasn't able to get too much of a hint for it. I, yeah, I This think, feels like a startup show where it's like, this will show us the beginnings, and then by the end of season two, she will have accomplished quite a lot, and we will have seen this company thrive. Maybe they'll do some time jumps, but I, I don't see it lasting for a super long time. The show's gotten good reviews as a 7.7 on IMDb. Yeah, it's fine. A 96%. Hollywood Reporter said, if Minx does not fully live up to his potential in the first five episodes, because that's what was given to critics, it accomplishes with enough heart and humor. Heart and humor. Yeah, Decider said to stream it, <laughs> and they said the show manages to capture the spirit of the swinging 70s. And then IndieWire gave it a B plus, saying, Minx can feel like the West Coast sister series to David Simon's New York set, The Deuce. After just five episodes, it does. It did remind me a little of the Deuce, but mostly for the clothing and the style, but not because of the tone. Well, they ended the tone it, is completely different. They ended it saying that they feel like there's a lot more stories that uh, this is going to be able to tell. Hmm. I mean, so far it's literally just been, the last two stories felt like they were so pushed that I I, I would almost challenge that. Okay. To try to figure I, out what they mean. I mean, I know that they shot the pilot back in 2020, and then it originally was rejected. And then even the guy from the kissing booth said that he had to shave his head. And then right after he shaved his head for the role, like they ended up being like, "Oh yeah, no, we got picked up." So like around episode four, I think he said is when he started to use like wigs mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, oh, and also Rappaport was glad that she she. Jake Johnson came to her and was like, look, I do not want to be a will-they-won't-they thing between the main there two. There is, Doug and Josh. almost. Wait, what, really? Because Rappaport said that she was excited but, when he said that. But it's not really, like, obviously they haven't hinted at it. They haven't gone together. I don't think they are going to. But there is that New Girl thing. Like, in New Girl, it wasn't until, like, season three or something where they hooked up. But they yeah, do hook right. up. They do end up, I think, being together for quite a some of that series. Because their contrasting personalities just sync up so well. It did feel like there's just the very smallest underlying flirtation that could eventually turn into mm. something if the writers wanted it to. I guess you're saying, though, that they're just going to... Yeah, it seems like right before was like, it went right when Jake Johnson said that, she was like, yeah, no, I 100% agree. It's not right. They're not going to get together. Uh, I know that she also got like the writers to do some research in the Valley, which I think is in California, San Fernando Valley, which apparently has like a lot of low-level publishing porn magazines. So that's also where they got some of their research from. Mm-hmm. The producer, Paul Fage, actually wrote, directed, and uh, produced another show, another series premiere on a different network, Welcome to Flatch, on Fox, on the same night as this. On the same night? Oh, yeah, that's, March that's 17th. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's weird how people's careers just kind of show up in a vacuum at different places in there. Yeah, so that was the producer? Yep. All right, anything else that I would have known him from? Uh, no. All right, any, any, anybody else that we should talk about? Before we move on. I'll only say that Ellen Rappaport, she originally went to Harvard for law. Oh, yeah. They make some funny jokes about Vassar, I think. Because they sometimes Jake Johnson's like, hey, you, the Harvard grad over here. And, and she was like, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to Vassar or whatever. I think it's Vassar. Anyways, that's where we'll leave it today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.